I am so excited about this. I want to welcome you to the Purpose Project Podcast. During our time together, I will teach you how to pray, how to intentionally develop intimacy with your Creator, and challenge you to discover and embrace your God-ordained purposes. I am your host, Margie Florent. My prayer for you today is that you will be empowered and strengthened in the Word of God to move forward into your destiny. I'm going to be talking to you tonight about the power of prayer for the ministry leader. It has taken me, this will be my third message on the same exact subject. And this particular message is very close to the heart of God because his leaders, his ministers are very close to his heart. And there is a need for us to stand in the gap, to put up a hedge, and begin to pray for our ministry leaders like never before. You know, the Bible says that where sin abounds, grace does so much more abound. Let's look at that in the light of our ministry leaders. The glory of God is endeavoring to rise up on the inside of our ministry leaders. God is desiring to take many of them to a new place, a new phase of ministry. But at the same time, the darkness, the corruption that is in the world, enemy does not want these leaders to open up their mouths boldly and make known the mystery of the gospel. I'm not preaching a negative message here. I'm preaching you to you the facts. The fact is that the enemy does not want our leaders to arise. He does not want them to shine. He does not want them to move in power and in demonstration because as they begin to do that and break into that and as their gift is fully unwrapped, we will see that that they will be able to affect multitudes, such as like we've never seen before. So it's time to pray for our ministry leaders. Now, I gave you several scriptures last week. and I'm not going to go into all of them. As a matter of fact, we're going to go into Acts chapter 12, verse 5. And I'm going to actually bring those scriptures in. And we're going to basically review in that regard. But I want to say, first of all, that one of the things our ministry leaders need is they need direction. You can pray for them that they need and for them to have direction. Colossians 4.12 says, Ever of us who is one of you, a servant of Jesus Christ, sends greetings. And the scripture goes on to say, always laboring fervently for you in prayers or wrestling, the NIV says, that what? that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. There are many ministry leaders right now who are believing God for direction. And what we can pray for them is that they would stand perfect and complete uh, in, all, in, in the will of God. The Bible says, that, I don't know where, but the scripture says that the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. He turns it whatsoever way he wills. I remember last year, beginning in June, I shut everything down. Not everything, but basically there were some things that we were doing. I continued to travel, but there were some things that I was doing. And I told my team, I need direction. I need wisdom. I need God to speak to me. And I am telling you straight up, and my team will tell you this, they prayed for me for about seven months. And after about seven months, all of a sudden my heart began to change. My desires began to change. What was in my spirit came up into my mind and thoughts and plans and ideas. When we commit our works to the Lord, he will cause our thoughts to become agreeable with his thoughts. Then our plans will succeed. And so until I heard the word of the Lord, until I knew exactly what God wanted me to do, I was not going to move. I was not going to do any more than other than what I was doing at that time. And part of what the Spirit of God said to me in the course of that seven-month period, specifically towards the end, was I want you to ramp to, to be a voice that will ramp up the prayer movement. And therefore, he gave me many ideas. But it literally, I waited on God for seven whole months. My team was praying. They were believing God. It was there at the very end, God began to speak to me. And, and that there is a, a word of encouragement in here for you in that regard. And that is sometimes when you pray for your ministry leader or when you pray for anything when it comes to intercession, 
you will not always see visible results right away. Luke 18, 1. That's why you have to keep praying. You have to keep believing. You have to keep standing in the gap. You have to keep pressing in because God has to deal with the will, the emotions. He has to deal with circumstances. He has to deal sometimes with the families involved. You know, when a person is called into the ministry, the whole entire family is affected. The whole entire family has a part in what God is doing. They may not have a public platform. They are part of the call and the plan and the purpose of God for that ministry leader. I remember one time when I was back in the day after I had been hidden in the house for a long period of time and I was raising my kids. I remember I was preparing and getting ready for ministry once again to be launched. And I remember I was praying in my office and I was praying in the spirit. I prayed Isaiah 43 through 5, Lord, go before me, prepare the way, make the crooked way straight, the rough places plain. I was praying for God to open up doors for, for divine connections with relationships. And I was praying and I got quiet and I heard audibly on the inside of me, the spirit of the Lord said to me, and this is how he said it. it. This was his attitude. And this is how he said it. It was like he looked at me, he shook his head and he said, there's another kind of praying going on in this house. And I said, what? And the Holy Spirit showed me my daughter, Jacqueline, and he showed me her in her bed with her canopy, with the little plaque over her, her bed, the princess is sleeping. And I, I saw her and the Holy Spirit said to me, she is praying that you won't travel. So basically what I did was, I, 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 I was just as real to me as a man would speak to his friend. It was a word of knowledge. I knew exactly, you know, the spirit of God spoke to me. I knew that it was right. And when she got off the bus, I brought her into my kitchen and made my other children and her a little peanut butter and jelly or whatever the snack may have been that day when they came home from school. I took Jacqueline up into my office and I said, Jacqueline, can I ask you a question? And she says, yes, mommy. She says, are you praying that I don't travel? And with those words, Jacqueline began to cry. And she said, Mommy, I just need you. I need you to be here for me. And if you go to, and she named some state way up there in the West Coast. And if you go there, I'm not going to have you when I need you. And I showed her right in the scriptures, right in my Bible. I said, Jacqueline, honey, Mommy is, my family is first. God first, ministry family second and ministry is third. I said, God would never take me away from you and for it to hurt you and affect you. And I showed her where the spirit of God had spoken to me out of Proverbs 31 about how when it, a woman, it became a rhema to me, said the scripture says she considers a field before she buys it. And right there, the spirit of God said to me, before I send you into the field, you're going to be ready. You're going to be prepared and your family is going to be prepared. And long story short, when, once the kids got a lot busier in, in high school toward the latter end, and then definitely in college, the Holy Ghost just launched me. So families also have to be ready and prepared. So when we talk about praying for the ministry leaders, let's not forget to pray for their families as well. Because if the leader is a target, because we know that the leader is, the, the family as well can be a target. So let's just remember that we also need to not just pray for the ministry leader, but we need to pray also for the family in that leader's life. That was all brand new, didn't even think of it. It's not in my notes. So it's very important that we lift up the families as well as the ministry leaders. So we're praying for direction, praying that they would stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Also, we can pray for our ministry leaders, Colossians 1.9. For this reason, since the day we heard of it, the Apostle Paul said, I don't cease to make mention of you in my prayers, there in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he would fill you with this wisdom and knowledge, wisdom and knowledge of his will through all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So we pray for him, for them, that God would fill them with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So we can pray for our ministry leaders that they have wisdom. We can pray for our ministry leaders that they have knowledge. We can pray for our ministry leaders that they have direction. We can pray for our ministry leaders that their hearts would be in the hand of the Lord and that the 
Lord would turn it whatsoever way he will. We can believe God. It will not be like the horse or the mule that has to have their
This is not a counseling session. This is not a counseling center. Refer them out to the local church and the local pastors. So that they corrected that, and therefore they were able to run with the full measure of the vision that God had given them. So we have very often many ministry leaders who who are, are discouraged, and God needs to write that vision on the tablets of their heart. And oftentimes it's warfare. It's just warfare coming against their minds and against their hearts to keep them from from. from fully going forward into everything God has them to do. We can we can take authority over that in the name of Jesus because we don't always wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities, powers, and the rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places who will try to sift our ministry leaders as wheat and take that vision, take that plan, uh, cloud their minds with discouragement. But when we pray for them, we are we are Romans 15, 1, Galatians 16, we are lifting off with the idea of completely removing that warfare from their minds. We have we have leaders, like I said, that at times get depressed. You know, I don't know this exact statistic. I heard it recently, but I can't recall. Most people who start out in ministry don't stay in ministry. They get discouraged and they get depressed. And it gets hard. Being in the ministry is not easy. I know his grace is sufficient for us. I know his strength is made perfect in weakness. But many start the race and they don't stay in the race. They lose hope. They don't have the money. There's all kinds of reasons. That's why we need to be like Aaron and her, hold up the arms of our leaders and pray for them if they fail now. And then there's burnout. Of course, we have a lot of leaders that are burning out. Why are they burning out? I think basically because they don't have enough help. We can pray that this Holy Spirit, and I never thought of it like this, so he's bringing it to my remembrance. We can pray that the Holy Spirit will send labors across our leaders' paths, those that will join with him in the field and co-labor together with the ministry leader. We can believe God for that. And maybe God is speaking to you to be one of those ushers. One of those people on the computer. One of those people that can volunteer and or, or be a part of the staff. So if he's talking to you, we need to lift up the hands of our leaders if they're hanging down. And, and, and allow God to strengthen them in their hearts. And allow God to work in them. And, and even allow them to have you know time off. I have a friend who has pastors a certain church in a certain place, her and her husband, and they take sabbaticals. Every so often they take a sabbatical. I know Rick Joyner's ministry, Morning Star. I mean, they take a full month off, I believe, it's every July. And when people come back, they come back refreshed. People come back to the church, everyone's refreshed. So we have to guard as leaders against burnout. But when we have prayer support, it keeps, it keeps us strong in the Lord and the power of his might. It keeps us from burnout, okay? Now, I want to talk to you. This was our text. I'm going to talk to you about the power of prayer for the ministry leader. I'm going to take our text in these final moments from Acts chapter 12, verse 5. Look here in this scripture. It says here, Peter, therefore, was kept in prison. Uh, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Now, Peter is the key man. Peter is the one who's in the ministry. Peter is a ministry leader. Peter has the word of the Lord. Peter has been prepared. Peter has been trained by Jesus himself. He went through the process. He went through the training process. He made mistakes. He corrected his mistakes. Here we see Peter full of wisdom, full of revelation, with the power of God on his life, the look for the anointing of the spirit of God on his life. And here we see Peter He's in prison. He is unable to do his work, the work of the ministry. He is unable to fulfill the call of God in his life. His gift is not being unwrapped. No one is making a demands on his gift, and he's stuck, and he's in prison. Now, as we look at these verses that I'm going to go through and highlight with you, I want you to metaphorically look at these verses in the light of praying for your ministry leader. And God gave me this revelation when I was in Long Island at a little church called Long Branch Ministries. And if there's anybody on here that remembers that church, let me know, inbox me. But I was in that particular church and God downloaded this revelation from these verses of scripture. And ironically, 
that was the church that I had a real live warlock known in his city come to one of my meetings to try to hinder the work of God in those meetings. Isn't that something? The devil came to try to stop the word of the Lord, stop the message of prayer from going forth. And those of you that know this story know that the Holy Ghost showed me who it was. I pointed him out, didn't know exactly what was going on, but could sense the warfare. And he ran out of the church like his pants were on fire because the Spirit of God pointed him out. And later after the service, these women came up to me rejoicing because they, they were like, I can't believe what just happened. I said, what? They said, Those, that warlock, he is a known warlock in our city, came to this service. He had tarot cards. And he was trying to put a spell or a curse on you. Now, I'm just going to say something to you. And I, and I, I say this, um, I say this with um, fear and trembling, so to speak, not an ungodly fear, but a fear and trembling. But I'm going to tell you this, I, I, and I'm not going to say exactly everything, but I'm going to tell you, I know for a fact that witches and warlocks are being released into our public meetings. We uh, don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities, powers, and rulers of the darkness of this world. But it is a known fact, and I know it because I've heard people talk about it who have been on the dark side and are now over in the light side. They are definitely sending these witchcraft people into our corporate settings to try to hinder the work of God and the ministries from going forth. So it's very important that we be as wise as a serpent, harmless as doves, lift up our eyes, look, be watchmen that are set on the walls of our churches and our ministries, and understand that we are in a spiritual battle and that these people are invading our services. I understand that we have to be totally and completely. Uh, careful with 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 uh, having security and protecting our people from the natural uh, things that people would try to do to our congregants. But let's also remember that there is a spiritual war going on, and that these witches and these warlocks do not want the word of the Lord to go forth because He does not want them to arise and be everything that God has called them to be. Here we see Peter. Prepared. He's got the word of the Lord. He's anointed. He's experienced. He's walked with Jesus. Here he is kept in prison. But what was going on in the church in that day and in that hour? They were not sleeping as do others. They were not sleeping like they were when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. This time, the church was taking her place. The scripture says that prayer was made without ceasing of the church before God for Peter. That is intercession. Listen to me, my friends. They were not worshiping. They were not praying the prayer of faith. They were not praying for their own needs. This Bible says prayer was made without ceasing of the church under God for Peter. An intercessor is one who takes the place of another. He lays one hand on God. I'll try to keep this in camera. One hand on God and one hand on man. And he's praying. And the church is praying. And they're praying for Peter. They have one hand on God and one hand on man. Instead of accepting the fact that Peter had warfare, instead of accepting that Peter was going through a hard time, instead of accepting that Peter was in prison and they were just going to say, okay, instead of accepting that, they decided to be vigilant. They decided to be sober. They decided to be vigilant because they knew that their adversary, the devil, was going about as a roaring lion trying to sift this particular ministry leader like he is today. Don't think for one minute that the enemy doesn't know who the anointed ones are. Don't think for one minute that the enemy doesn't know who God is raising up in these last days. I don't understand how it works. I understand this principle in the spirit. The enemy sees those who God is getting ready to promote. The enemy sees those who God wants to use. I don't know how he sees it. He must see something in the spirit you and I don't see. For example, like for me personally, if I'm in a corporate meeting and I'm praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I can actually tell who's filled with the Spirit and who's not. I can tell by a light that comes from them. So maybe the devil can tell the ministry leaders that God is raising up and he knows those who are being promoted. I don't know how he knows. If you think about it, those of you and there's several of you who are in leadership, just before you were promoted, just before something good happens, just before a major door opens up for you, what happens? All hell breaks loose. 
all kinds of warfare, discouragement, warfare, you know, this, that, the other thing. How, and even after the door opens and after this wonderful thing happens, you look back because hindsight's twenty twenty. You look back and you go, wow. I, I mean, I didn't know that God was about to do something. But for some reason, the enemy knew, and that's why he was trying to come in and stop it. So just remember, we said the scripture, 1 Corinthians 16, 9, uh, a great door and effectual has been opened unto me, but there are many adversaries. And I gave you the definition last week of what that meant. That word effectual door was a special door, a door that was, was going to cause influence. Okay, that's what the fivefold ministry leaders do. They have a lot of influence, and it's God that has given them the authority or the anointing to get influence, okay? So let's go on. So Peter was therefore kept in prison, but prayers made without ceasing of the church unto God for Peter. So what are the results of their prayers? Well, not yet. We're not there yet. We're still talking about the circumstances. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping between two chains, bound with two chains, between two soldiers and the guards before the door kept the prison. So here we see this time, Peter's the one sleeping. And this time, it's the church that's awake and not sleeping. Peter was resting in God. Just like I believe many of our ministry leaders need to rest in the fact that they have powerful, praying men and women who will stand in the gap for them and discern when they're going through something. Not judge them, but discern when they're going through something. You know how you can tell if you need to pray for your pastor or your ministry leader? If you wake up in the middle of the night and you have them on your heart. You, If you're walking around your house or wherever you are, you keep seeing their face before you. That is God alerting you to pray for them. That is what's called a prayer alert for your ministry leader. Oftentimes when I was working on staff at Faith, uh, Christian Fellowship, Buddy Harrison and Pat Harrison were the pastor at that time. I was working on staff there, and and and, and I, to be honest, I'm not bragging. This is I was what I wanted to do because God's wanting me to share this with you for the purpose of teaching. Instead of me just being on staff and doing all the typing and doing all the errands, I also took it on myself to be a watchman in that church. That it was my job not only to do something in the natural for that church and be a part of that ministry team in the natural, I also had a responsibility to pray for that church and that pastor and his wife. And I would take my lunchtime and I would go into the sanctuary when nobody was there and I would pray in the Holy Ghost and I would pray in the word for my pastor and his wife. Nobody saw me, but my father which sees in secret, he will reward you openly. When you pray for your ministry leader, we said this last week, you are entering into their labors. And when we all stand before God, we will all give an account for what we did with our time. I decided to sue my time into my pastor. The Bible says in John 15, 12 and 13, greater love has no man than this, than a man would lay down his life for his friends. Greatest act of love you can do for your pastor, for your ministry leader, is not to make them a pie, or not to make them dinner, although you may have the gift of hospitality, I'm not minimizing that. But the greatest act of love you can do is to lay down your life for your pastor and pray for him, stand in the gap for him. So what happened to me is I was a watchman in that church. I don't know, I something, maybe God was just speaking it to me. I just knew in my heart I wanted to pray for them. And so there would be times also when I would be in the services when he or she would be preaching and teaching and I had this well of love rise up on the inside of me. And I knew that's a prayer alert. That's a prayer alert. You see, intercession should always be motivated by love. And so I knew that the Spirit of God wanted me to pray for him. So instead of praying right then and there, although I could have and I had, pray right then and there in the service under my breath very quietly. I also took that prayer alert or that prayer burden home with me and I prayed it through to victory. Are you listening? Okay, so Peter is sleeping. He's bound with two chains. There's uh, two soldiers, not one, but and the keepers before the door kept the prison. Now this looks like an impossible situation, doesn't it? But you know, the Bible says that the fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. 
all things can be broken, chains can be broken, doors can be opened, these hindrances can be dealt with. If my people would just pray, because we are God's avenue into the earth, okay? So the effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. So it looks like a hopeless situation, but it's not. Why? Because the church is taking her place. The church is rising. The church is praying. The church is saying, we're not going to tolerate this. We're not going to allow our man or our woman of God to be kept in prison. We need what they have. Okay, let's go on. Verse 7. Now, the Bible says, Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him. Stood by who? Stood by Peter. And a light shined in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And the chains fell off of their hands. Now, there are one, two, three, four, five things that happened in one verse as a result of prayer being made without ceasing of the church unto God for Peter. What was the very first thing that happened because of their prayers? Hebrews 1.14, Psalms 103, verse 20. The Bible says, are they not ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who, for those who are heirs of salvation? The Bible says that the angels hearken and heed to the voice of the word of God. They are dispatched. So when you pray for your ministry leader, angels, Angels of God, Psalms 91, are released and dispatched on their behalf. So they're praying for Peter, and here we see the angel of the Lord standing by him. Number two, what else happened when prayer was being made without ceasing of the church unto God for Peter? Number two, I want you to notice that a light shined in the prison. Metaphorically, we already said it. When you pray for your pastor, you pray for your ministry leader, the light will shine into their hearts. The eyes of their understanding will be enlightened. You know, the scripture talks about even for those who are not saved, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine unto them. When you pray for your ministry leader, revelation is imparted. God shines his light. And, and revelation is where, where things were once kind of dead or you read it and you didn't really see what it meant and when you read it the holy spirit john 16 the spirit of truth teaches and enlightens it through that revelation okay what else happened number one uh, number three he was raised up the bible says the angel the angel stood by him a light shined struck peter on the side and raised him up Okay, when you pray for your ministry leader, they will be raised up to be everything that God has called them to be. And notice the scripture, he was raised up. You see, because God wants your ministry leader to walk in the fullness of their purpose and the fullness of their destiny. And, and, and like we said, the enemy does not want the ministry leader to move into it. As you pray for your ministry leader, they will be raised up to be everything that God has called them to be and God has called them to do. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 16, the Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So as they're raised up to be what God's called them to be, we, they, they follow Christ, and then as they follow Christ, you follow them. So do you see the domino effect? I'm going to stop right here. I'm going to say something Kenneth E. Hagin once said. He said, some people live and die and never enter into the first phase of their ministry. I don't know about you, but I want to be that ministry leader that enters into every single phase God has for me. And every single phase that the ministry leader has comes with it a different level of, of anointing, but also a different level of warfare. The, my daughter said the other night, she said, the greater new level, new devil. I'm not magnifying the devil, but it's the case. That's just how it is. Okay. So here we see Peter raised up. 
He's going to continue to flow into every phase that God has him to flow into. Galatians 4.19 says, My little children in whom I travail in birth again till Christ be formed in you. When a person has the fivefold ministry called in their life, it's Christ the evangelist. It's Christ the apostle. It's Christ the pastor. It's Christ the prophet. It's Christ the teacher. And as we pray for them, that Christ in them, that ministry gift is being formed in them and they will reach the full potential of their calling. So let's not neglect uh, praying for our pastor and for our leaders. Okay, so the scripture says, arise up quickly and they'll be able to run with the vision, Habakkuk 2.2. And notice the chains fell off from his hands. So his Prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for Peter, the key man, the fivefold ministry gift. Those chains that had him, those hindrances that, that tried to keep him down. The Bible says chains fell off from their hands. Okay? And then verse 8. And the angel said to him, gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, put on your garment and follow me. So the angel said unto him, Peter, ministry gift. If you're a minister here, you're listening to this. The angel said unto him, gird yourself and tie on your sandals. That word gird means to encircle or bind with a belt or band to prepare oneself for action, to provide, equip, invest us with power and strength. God told Peter, he said, gird yourself. Get yourself ready. Get prepared for action. Behold, ministry leader, I'm going to do a new thing. I don't want you to become weary in well-doing. That's the enemy. Good, not in righteous, God says, to forget your work and your labor of love that you have shown toward my name. Don't faint if you don't see visible results. Keep running the race that is set before you. Don't allow circumstances, ministry leader. You'll be like Joshua. He set himself, his eyes like a flint. God told Joshua, he said, listen, I don't want you to look to the left, and I don't want you to look into the right. I want you to be strong, ministry leader, and very courageous. Let me tell you something, my friends, if you're not in leadership, you're pastor, you're leader, you're five-fold ministry. He takes courage to do what you're doing. It takes courage to keep running the race. It takes courage to have a building fund and have to believe God for millions of dollars. They have to hear from God. Okay, so he says, gird yourself. Peter, gird yourself. He said, Pre prepare yourself for action. And notice it says, and, and the scripture says, if the angel told him, tie on your sandal. If you're a ministry leader on this Facebook Live today, and this was not going the whole direction, which I thought, if you're a ministry leader and you are discouraged, God is saying to you, put those sandals back on, Ephesians 6.15. Tie on your sandals. Your feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I have plans for you, plans to prosper you and not harm you. You are right, my friend, whoever you I'm speaking to. You are right at the point of birth. And then you might say, well, Marty, you know, that's just a cliche. Everybody hears, everybody says that, you know, your breakthroughs come and so on, yada, 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 so on and so forth. No, you are right at the point of birth. You are right at the point of breakthrough. I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, that it is, you are not of them that draw back. You be strong, as I told Joshua, and very courageous. And you keep running the race. For lo, I am with you, says the Lord, to deliver you. And I have another thing that I want to say by the Spirit of God. Uh, Rick Joyner, by the Spirit, the Holy Ghost showed him, just because you have a church of 100 or a church of 50, and you don't have a church of 1,000, it has nothing to do with the will of God. It has nothing to do with your obedience to God. It has nothing to do with the fact that you're being faithful and the fact that you are going to stand before God and you are going to give an account for what he told you to do. He told you to do what you're doing. He told Joyce Meyer to do what Joyce Meyer's doing. He told Joel Osteen to do what Joel Osteen is doing. Do much is given, much is required. You just do what God told you to do and you be faithful. One of my mantras, if I could use that word, not get hate mail from that. One of my mantras is, you know what? I'm just going to obey God. If God told me to preach to 10, 10 people, I'm preaching to 10 people. We, you know, that's why some of you are discouraged because you're looking at man. The Bible says if you compare yourself with other people, you 
ministry, you look unto Jesus. He is the author and he is the finisher and he is the perfecter of that which he has called you to be and called you to do. I have some very good friends who had an outstanding church, outstanding ministry, outstanding. They were ahead of their times. They were doing dance. They were prophetic. They had prophetic worship. It was an incredible church. But what happened to them was, and they'll admit it because they admit it now, they, what happened was they had a church of about 300. And they didn't think they were successful because they didn't have a church like two hours away and the church was 2,000. Well, who cares? It's not about the size of a church. It's about the spiritual authority. It's about that church, that ministry having spiritual authority in that region. You can have a church of 10,000 and not have any spiritual authority. Okay, it's about spiritual authority and it's about being faithful. But you know what that those ministry leaders did? They quit the ministry. They turned it over to somebody else. I was hoping they would turn it over to me because I knew that if I took it for three months, I would have turned it back to them when they were done with their sabbatical and done being burned out. But they turned it over to somebody else and, and those people destroyed the church is no longer in existence today. So it's not about size. It's not about uh, uh, any of that. You look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. And the Bible says, who for the joy set before him. There is a joy set before us, ministry leaders. What is our joy? Our joy is one day we're going to stand before God and we're going to give an account for our lives. And if we did what we did, is unto the Lord, we will receive our reward. Okay, so we said, tie on your sandals. And, you know, you know, Peter did. Because Peter, you know, Peter knew who he, he knew he was, what he was by the grace of God. He just listened to the angel, tied on his sandals. And he said to him, put on your garment and follow me. Now, I know I'm going over, but I'm going to finish this tonight. Okay? I want to talk to you about garments. He told Peter, listen, put your garment back on. Stop being discouraged, metaphorically. Put your garment back on. Put it back on. Garments are created to cover the flesh of the ministry. Barbara Yoder, in her book, Mantle with Authority, God's Apostolic Call to Women, said this about mantles and what they represent, which is the garment, metaphorically, in this scripture. When Elijah identified his successor, he took his mantle. In this case, it was the mantle of a prophet. And threw it on Elijah. It was a cloak that represented Elijah's identity as well as what he was imparting to him. Okay? What was Elijah doing? He was carrying out a prophetic action that declared to heaven and earth how Elijah was going to be perceived in the days ahead. We know there was power in that mantle because Elijah, following Elijah's death, took that mantle and struck the waters of the Jordan River with it, and the waters were parted. Listen, stay with me. Basically, or biblically, a mantle was a loose, sleeveless garment which was worn over the clothes. It represented something. Leaders dressed for their offices and were identified by what they wore. Priests were designated clothing as commanded by Levitical law. Kings dressed for their position, as did queens. Military people were distinguished by what they wore. Their dress spoke of their mantles. It represented their identity and their authority. That's why it's very important as ministry leaders who we allow around our inner circle. Because anybody that's around our inner circle, they're going to see the flesh part of us. They're going to see the real deal. Yeah, we're one thing when we're anointed. We're another thing because we are just human. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. That doesn't give us a license to sin. God knows we all want to be holy as he is holy. We want to be everything God's called us to be. But some people are not mature enough to handle the fact that the ministry leader is a human being as well, okay? Webster's Dictionary defines a mantle as a symbol of preeminence or authority. The Hebrew word for mantle is A-D-D-E-R-E-T-H. The A-D-D-E-R-E-T-H was a robe, garment, glory, or something ample. The mantle Elijah wore was ample for the task. Furthermore, the mantle was a type of glory that Elijah 
and the later Elisha war. The apostle Peter spoke about the spirit of glory resting upon us. One of the words for glory is waiting. Glory is in the mantle. Therefore, it adds weight to who we are and what we do. It represents the influence that we have. It is our reputation. That's why it's very important for you. If you're a ministry leader and you're discouraged, you put on those sandals and you put back on that mantle. God is calling you for such a time as this. You know, the scripture says it's coming to be that God has ordained the places in which we are to live. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. So if you're living in a place and your roots are in a place, that's where you are ordained to live by God and that's where your calling is. Okay. So let's go on. Verse 10. So he went out and he followed him. Don't you just love that? And did not know what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. Now when they were first, first passed, the first and second guard post, they came to an iron gate that leads into the city. Now for those of you that don't know this, this is what happens. And I said it before, I'll say it again. Every ministry leader, your ministry leader, begins in a time of preparation, begins with a time of training, goes through hell. That's part of the training. Goes through all the things that we go through. Eventually, we're prepared to a degree. And then we enter into the first phase. Then we go through the same process over and over and over. Then we go into the second phase of ministry. Every ministry leader, in case you don't know this, has times, seasons, and phases. And with that time, season, and phase, there is an assignment. I remember Kenneth e. Hagen talking about him entering into the fourth and final phase of his ministry. I don't know what phase I'm in. Maybe I should ask. I don't know what phase your pastor, your leader is in. What I do know is, as prayer was made without ceasing, for the church, for the God, for Peter, metaphorically, Peter went through one phase and he went through another phase. They helped usher him into what God had called him to be and called him to do. And not only that, they came to an iron gate that led into the city that opened to them for him of his own accord. Remember we said last week that uh, the Bible says, Jesus said in Revelation, I have set before you an open door, no man can shut it. But the Apostle Paul said repeatedly, pray for us. For what? That this door of excellence would be open. Church, I need you to pray for the ministry leaders. The doors that God has for them will be open. And as you do, these doors will open of their own accord. When I first went into ministry, I did not give out my cards. I did not promote myself. I did not do anything. What I did do was pray. I prayed a lot for about two and a half, three years before I ever went into ministry. And when I stepped on the East Coast as a 21-year-old girl with hair out to here and nails out to here, I was anointed by God. And not only that, but I had this favor. Doors just began to open one after the other after another. I had multiple people say to me, how did all those doors open for you? And I told them, I don't know. And one day the Holy Ghost just said to me, he said, you prayed. You believed and you prayed and you prayed in the spirit. And that's why those doors open. My friends, listen, pray for your ministry leader that the door that needs to open to them will open to them, but it will open of its own accord. They won't have to beg. They won't have to plead. The spirit of, the spirit of God will just open it to them of its own accord. See, the work is done in the spirit first, and then it opens things up in the natural second. And they went out down one street and departed from him. Now, you know, so Peter comes to himself, right? He's probably like, you got to be kidding me. I've been completely delivered from this circumstances. How did this happen? Now, I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark where there were many gathering, and what were they doing? They weren't complaining, they weren't crying, they weren't gossiping, they weren't tearing down Peter, they weren't tearing down the kingdom, they were praying. As a matter of fact, I was in a certain church in a certain place one time, and, I, and the pastor asked me to come up, and, and I don't know if it was to say a few words, or to receive, no, it wasn't to receive the offering, it was to say a few words, and when I got up, I heard audibly on the inside of me, as a man speaks to his friend, he said, there would be less complaining if there was more praying. 
And I, I said that to the people, and I looked around, tapped my finger, and you could have heard a pin drop. What was the Holy Ghost saying? The Holy Ghost was saying, there's strife in this church. There's strife in this ministry. There's strife in this staff. Stop complaining and start praying. Prayer opens up the door for God to work. And verse 13, and as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. And she recognized Peter's voice. Because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. But they said to her, you know, Rhoda, you're crazy. That's not Peter. Yet, but she kept insisting that it was so. So they said, it is his angels. Verse 16, but Peter continued knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. My friends, what were they doing? They were praying without ceasing. Of the, the church was praying without ceasing unto God for Peter who was in prison. Here we see an answer to their prayer. And instead of them going, God answered our prayer. The Bible says they were astonished. What's the moral of the story? Don't be astonished when your prayers work. Don't be astonished when God opens up a door that no man can shut. Don't be astonished that when God starts anointing your ministry leader with fresh oil. Don't be astonished when signs and wonders follow the teaching of the word of God. Don't be astonished when the working of miracles and the gifts of healings, Acts 10, begin to fall in the congregation. Don't be astonished that God has answered your prayer. Not only that, I thank my God I speak in tongues more than you all. I believe they were not just praying in their known language. They were praying in the Holy Ghost. And when you pray in the Holy Ghost, you're praying the mind and the will of God. I think we hit a record teaching of all of our Facebook lives tonight. I know in my heart that praying for the ministry leader is very close to the heart of God. That's why God says, touch not mine anointed, but do my prophets no harm. God knows the heartache. God knows the pain. God knows the sacrifice. God knows they work several jobs. God knows. And so therefore, he's very protective of his ministry leaders. So I'm going to pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, I pray for every ministry leader or any budding leader that is hearing this teaching. And in the name of Jesus, I pray that those that have been discouraged, that you would write on the tablets of their heart new vision, new plans, new purposes. I pray that they would stir up the gift of God that's within them. I pray that there would be a creative flow up out of them, that they would move, Father, in power and demonstration of your spirit. I pray, Holy Ghost, that you would interrupt our meetings, interrupt what we have as our own man-made plans, and that you, Jesus, would step in and have your way so that they will see Christ, the prophet, Christ, the apostle, Christ, the pastor, Christ, the teacher, Christ, the evangelist, and not any man. So, Lord, we give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Project podcast. For more content, video, and teachings like this, visit margieflorent.org.